0: One of the phrases, and he just it was just such a passing thing that he said, and it just really struck a chord with me, is that he said that he goes through uh, life photographically collecting the things that belong to him. And I just thought, that is so good. That is what I'm doing. That's how I feel in the portraits in the the expression, the engagement that we are talking about, that little extra something in a photo. Or you're driving and you see a scene and you go, you know, did the mental click in your head? Maybe you stop the car and go back. Maybe you, you can't. All of those things that you are driven to photograph, for me, it feels like a treasure hunt.
1: G'day, and welcome to Breaking Out the Podcast. I'm Jason Naylor, and Breaking Out the Podcast is proudly sponsored by Unfold, your photography business coach. You see, Unfold offers mentoring and coaching photographers. We have a number of different services from just portfolio or client delivery reviews through to full one-on-one, an entire day breakdown of everything you're doing in your business and suggestions on how you can improve it. And we've also got something really, really awesome. We've got a 12-week marketing course. 12 weeks, 12 modules. We cover advertising, social media, SEO, website enhancements, how to brainstorm for content, email marketing, a whole lot of different tactics for marketing your photography business. Check it out at unfoldyour.biz. And back to the podcast. Have you ever heard of Eryngium giganteum? Also known as Miss Wilmot's ghost. It's a thistle. A sharp, prickly plant. Heck, might as well be a weed as far as I'm concerned. Today's guest is a collector. Not a hoarder, and not necessarily a collector of things, but a collector of ideas, images, snapshots, pictures, thoughts. Today's guest's creative output is as varied as her inputs, and that's really, really important. We'll get to that later. I was at the Great New Zealand affordable art show a few months ago, and I was walking around looking at all this art, and my wife, Aneta, beside me, she said to me, you know what, I don't want to interview too many photographers, but you should find a photographer who's not working in the classic client sense, but who's just creating art and selling it, you know, like at one of these shows. And we popped around the corner, and I saw the Orygium Gigantium. Miss Wilmot's ghost. I saw this on the wall, and I saw the artwork, and I knew whose it was. And after taking it all in, I spun around to Catherine, and I said to her, how would you feel about being a guest on this podcast? She was on a complete emotional roller coaster that weekend, as we talk about in this interview, but ultimately she said yes, and here we are. So today's guest, Wellington photographer, Catherine Kadnak. Hope you enjoy it. Good morning and welcome to Breaking Out the Podcast. Today, in the Combi, we have photographer and creative Catherine. Welcome.
0: Thank you, Jason, for having me. It's a real honour.
1: Hey, thanks for being a part of this. Thanks for bringing us around to the south coast, looking out over the relatively calm sea today. I've always said this many, many times on my podcast, but I was reluctant to speak to too many photographers because I, I kind of felt like I know their story. But Catherine struck me as a photographer who's doing things quite differently than I know. And that's why I was so eager to talk to her. So I originally met and and have known Catherine as a portrait photographer and a wedding photographer. And your portraits especially really started to get noticed and make people look and make people think for a number of years, especially via the awards, NZIPP Iris Awards. You've always been creating some astonishing work that people are just taking notice of. And we'll get to those awards eventually. Um, but let 's start with your photography career. Uh, is there anything prior to photography? Did you train in photography did you Did you study anything like this
0: i didn 't study photography no um... Apart from self-study, um, I was actually um, a financial journal- journalist in a previous life, so I uh, did a BA in English and Psychology at school. You um, didn't really know what I wanted to, to do after that. Um, my mum was a, an agricultural journalist, and I thought, I like words, I like writing, I'll just do what she does. So I uh, did a postgrad um, diploma in uh, journalism, and then the wire agency Reuters advertised for a financial journalist role in Wellington, and I thought that'll be a good interview experience and went for it and got it. So I found myself covering the bond markets and foreign exchange and the share market and all the stuff I had absolutely no idea about. I was <laughs> so, going to say, you,
1: you have a bit of a background now in journalism because of your study, but there was no finance. In what there was no finance, no.
0: Yeah. And so that was... Um, that was a heck of a ride that first uh, six months at least. I had to really learn fast. Um, really good challenge. Um, and yeah, then I, I worked for Reuters in New Zealand for a while, then went over to uh, their competition in London, Bridge News, and um, doing the same thing. And then I, I realised I really liked editing, so I, I got into the editing side of things. And because it was a smaller American company, they didn't have such a, a hierarchy as a really old company like Reuters. And so I worked my way up through the ranks and ended up, running the London copy editing desk. So we were taking all the stories from uh, Europe, Middle East and Africa coming through to our desk. It's really high adrenaline, kind of instant stuff. like These wire agencies are putting out the news immediately to the client to the dealing rooms and then they're all going bye bye sell sell you know see you've got to be fast and you've got to get it right you've got to not be ambiguous and so I really loved that pressure (laughs) it was kind of strange Um, and yeah then we um, it all went a bit pear-shaped so I had 16 editors under me and you know it it was probably the pinnacle of my career And then the parent company went bankrupt and they couldn't find a buyer for the news division. And so, yeah, we all got made redundant. And um, I did do another year at a little property magazine just to get some print experience. But coming back to New Zealand, I sort of felt that anything on offer here in journalism would be a bit of a step down. And I'd kind of, I guess... Never loved finance, you know. Yeah. <laughs> never, you know, in the first place. So I love the journalism part. Of it? I love the journalism and you loved part, the environment. and I, I love the environment. I loved the um, distilling uh, words down to make them better, you know, a better story out of them. But what I never had as a journalist was that real hunger for breaking a story. And I think partly it's because I didn't know about finance that I never would think, oh, that person's trying to pull the wool over my eyes here. You know, there's something fishy going on. So I never broke news. And I do think there's. Um, There's a lot of scope for people like me who are quick and efficient. I had people say, Look, I'm really happy to interview with you again because you didn't twist my words, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And there's a real role in that. But I think if I had had that nose for a good story, I might have had the passion that would have kept me going. Because I'm sure when finance, those stories abound, you know, being this, you're talking money, you've got the motivation for people to hide stuff. Um, But I'm just not the person to. Bring that out. So, yeah. Wow. So then, I,
1: yeah. That was quite left field. I was
0: not expecting this conversation <laughs> to go there at all. Yeah.
1: So eventually you did return to New Zealand. So
0: I came back to New Zealand and thought um, we we were um, pregnant with my son Alexander and I just thought I'm going go to go into work part time. I don't want to be writing about the lo- contents of the local lost property box down the police station. You know, it just felt like a real step down. Of course, that's and, as, big as the news is here. So right? yeah, <laughs> <laughs> when we were just coming um, about to head back to New Zealand, I started following the New Zealand news headlines, and there was this one headline that said Ashburton dog put down. <laughs> and I <was> like, oh <laughs> headline, my god! I can't yeah, do I this. It. Yeah, um, and yeah, then I just uh, gave birth to the most beautiful child ever you know in existence and well somebody's got to document how gorgeous he is so i started taking photos oh, so that's how that's really that all happened started. yeah and then started photographing my friend's children and yeah thought oh get a bit of feedback actually i'm quite good at this and so and then well, alistair who's my ever supportive husband said you know if you want to make a go of this i will support you and yeah wow. do this thing <laughs> this is a
1: classic story of um oh, I don't, this, I don't mean this in any negative way, but of a, of a mum with a camera, right?
0: Uh, totally, MWAC, M- yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right, right.
1: Who actually, who, who made it work. Like, it went on to work really well for you and you turned this uh, into a bigger yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah.
0: And I think, you know, initially I was getting all the feedback, as you do, from family and friends going, wow, these are amazing. And you think, mm, yeah, you don't really know what you're talking about. You know, I, I love that support, yeah. but I needed to hear from somebody who knew what they're talking about, Um. And I did a six-week um, creative eye course. That was a
1: local thing, or online yes, or was... yes,
0: no, it was a local thing down at, at Messy yeah. um, Evening Course in just six Great. weeks. Yeah, Jordan um, O'Keefe. And at the end of it, she said, "Right, you're procrastinating. You're good enough. Um, just do it." And so I created a website and I did it. Yeah. So she, she said, hey, was very instrumental.
1: <laughs> I'm Catherine, and I'm going to photograph you and, and mm-hmm. make some money out of this
0: yeah hopefully (laughs) and so that's how you got into portraits that's how I got into portraits and then you know I just I really um, feel that in this day and age, so to speak, you know, there's all that information is out there for you. If you're driven, which I really was and still you sound, am. You sound like it. Yeah, yeah, there's, you know, there's Creative Live, there's um, all the, you know, books and workshops you can do. There's the NZIPP, I think, has been, you know, really instrumental and um, in the whole thing. You know, the, the community of photographers, we're all just pushing each other and learning and they're sharing the information. So for me, I didn't feel that I needed to spend three years and a lot of money um, Learning photography formally. But, you know, that's a great route for some it's people. It's an option, and, yeah. and it works yeah. well for some people. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. yeah, you didn't mm-hmm. need
1: that, though, right? You're a one ahead of that. that. <laughs> yeah, great. And, and so your portrait business, from, from what I see anyway, your portrait business and your wedding photography business went quite well. Like, you were you were busy. Mm-hmm. You had a, a lot of clients. You were making some money from it. They were loving your work. Was that all going quite well for you? Did it feel like it?
0: It did. It did. And I, I started to get into the wedding kind of thing, and but then I was um, – Feeling that that was taking over my life, just the volume of work turned out to be unsustainable. I loved it for a few years, and the portraits I was doing a lot of families, and um, I, I really I realised quite early in the piece that photographing people was the thing. You know, I, I love a huge range of photography, but um, as a commercial thing, that's what really was driving me.
1: Ah, so commercially, people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah.
1: but did you also because? you strike me as someone who connects well with people. I mean, you do connect well with people. Did you just enjoy photographing people more than it might be landscapes or, or fine art as well, or not necessarily?
0: Yeah, I think there's something about just seeing people regularly and, um, you know, photography can be such a, a lonely pursuit when you're, I work out of my office as a, a bedroom downstairs in our house that I've taken over. And yeah, just getting out there and, and meeting all these people. Um, I'm actually quite an extroverted introvert, I've realized. You know, I work really well from home and I spend a lot of time on my own and I'm just great with that. And then I have these little short bursts where I, I find when I'm photographing people, if I want to get the results that I'm after, I need to really bring it and I need to bring a certain charisma and engagement. And so sometimes I, <laughs> I've learned that I'll, you know, if I'm feeling a bit down and I'm there and I think, oh, damn, I've booked this shoot. Why did I do that? I really don't feel like this. And go out there, meet up with them, and I have to bring it, I have, you know, and so I, I rise to the occasion and then I come home absolutely buzzing. go, Oh, that was so lovely. That was so good. And, uh, you know, and it really lifts me. And so I really need to get out more. better. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I resonate uh, with that mm, so mm. much.
1: What you've just described is almost exactly how I feel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a day at home in the office on my own is mm-hmm. so good for my brain, but I get so much out of meeting and working with other people. Oh, wow, you've just spoken to me there. Fantastic. <laughs> and do you often wonder where that comes from? Like, do you often find yourself at the end of a shoot thinking, oh, my God, how good was I then? Or how chatty or active or outgoing was I? Where did that come from? Or, no? Not really. No, okay. <laughs> Stupid question. And, and so I want, don't want to put words in your mouth here, but at some stage, maybe in the last year or two, I noticed that you seem to scale back some of your client work specifically weddings, and maybe portraits, although I'm not so sure. And one of the things I noticed is that you seem to be producing a lot more creative work that wasn't so much client-driven. Am I right with that? Have I observed that correctly? No,
0: definitely. Um. So, yeah, with the weddings, my husband, Alistair, has a really intense job. He's a um, structural engineer, and he's very well regarded and really really busy and so we were both for a while there going at 100 miles an hour and it just wasn't really working out for the family so that was a a fairly large catalyst and then when I started thinking about it I realized that I wasn't I just didn't have the um, the mental headspace as well and the energy to be doing a lot of creative personal work because I was just I don't know I'm, I'm a I'm a real list maker and I like to tick things off and so I have all of these jobs that I needed to do and then yeah there just wasn't the space for it so I initially decided to wind back on the weddings. I thought mm-hmm. I'm going to do half a dozen each season. Sure. And then I thought, actually, no, I think I'm done. And I took them all off my website, and I no longer describe myself as a wedding photographer. still love the portraits. I still love meeting people, but... It's just I've had no regrets. I just haven't looked back on that decision at Don't all. Don't miss um, those weddings at all. No, right? no. And so what I've I'm still doing um, a few families, and I'm doing some. Um, I love doing fine art. Um, well, I call them fine art portraits of children in particular in Beautiful. my studio. There's something I I've always thought, you know, when you when a kid, the laughing stuff's all all well and good. And I love that. But there's something about the beauty of a child's natural resting face, you know, that the parent sees all the time and they might not be able to capture that. So I really enjoy that. Um, But the other slight tangent that I've surprised myself with is um, getting into um, corporate portraits and actor headshots, just headshot work. and. You know, if you'd asked me five years ago whether I would enjoy that, I you know, think, it's not creative, you know. Yeah, we're, right. we're, you know it's, uh, that, this surprises me. This never, <laughs> like it's actually, um, it's balancing out so well because they're short, quick shoots. I get that um, whole thing of meeting people, you know, little short bursts of contact with the outside world. Yeah, of course. <laughs> These people, like, you know, a lot of them will come into the studio and say, oh God, I been really dreading this and I'm so unphotogenic, you know, good luck to you, I hate the camera and I really relate to that Um, but then we have a lot of fun together, there's a lot of laughing Um, I'm a real believer that you don't actually have to make somebody feel comfortable in front of the camera, you know there's that whole you know how can you really in ten or fifteen minutes as somebody who dreads the camera, but it's actually okay because when people feel awkward, they do these beautiful, genuine laughs. You know, it's, and and the smiles are natural. I'm I'm always just talking to people. I'm trying to um, not I'm trying to override that little voice in their head that starts. You know, if you give them time, they will th- they'll think, "Oh, how are my eyes, how's my mouth, how's," and they start trying to control their expression, and that's when things get really weird and oh, wow. they don't look. Natural, you this know, is the, a great insight. that I've never, <laughs> I've never been down this path. This is right. Great. No, I, I really find that engagement thing, you know, that people look to me so much better in a, in a reactive state than a proactive, I'm trying to look like this kind of thing. And I also feel that when we look at a portrait of a stranger, um, we all, you know, you might not know that person, but you can pick a photo smile at 100 paces. You know, we all have that bullshit detector and you know when that engagement is there so that's what I'm really aiming for and yeah it's usually a lot of fun and then they see the results and they go oh actually that was fun and I love this and you know so I'm really enjoying that side of the business and have actually created a new website you know goodheadshots.co.nz and it's a perfect antidote to you know so I've got the I've got that corporate side of things and a few actors lately which is really fun um they don't hate the camera oh God. <laughs> um and then a lot more of creative work, which we can talk about soon. Yeah, but yeah, I'm feeling like I've got a really good balance going at the moment. Wow. So, yeah. so the
1: portrait work, the headshot work, mm-hmm. and then your creative work. And you've almost got this little triangle of things yeah. here between business and, and creative output. Are you actively marketing the headshot work quite hard? Uh, when I say hard, I mean is it a full-on thing that you're throwing everything at, or is it just a little other thing on the side?
0: Um, well, again, I don't want to go 100 miles an hour like I was before; you're that was causing problems. Right? So I'm not really pushing it. It's a word-of-mouth thing. My website's out there. I've got Jacinda Ardern on it. It's always quite good of people can... going right. <laughs> because I ended up photographing her um, when she was still deputy leader. I photographed um, Andrew Little as well, and. Um, so I've sort of pulled her out there and, you know, that looks pretty good. She's on my banner. Um, and, and a couple of the, the green great, politicians the way, and that that's kind of really thing. a smart idea. I love that. Yeah. yeah. So, so when people see the site, I mean, that's, that's quite cool to say, oh, my gosh, she's photographed the prime minister. Um, and so I feel, and I'm just relying on Google and, you know, word of mouth. And it's, it's enough work that's just ticking over quietly. So I'm, I'm not pushing it. I'm just happy with the way things are great. going. Yeah, great. I'm not great at marketing anyway. I don't really know how to do that, and my Facebook page gets updated every ten days or so. It's oh, terrible. It's but, all right. Yeah. We're all, a lot of us in yeah. the same boat. Yeah. Don't you worry. For but me, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty nice when when you can feel that you don't have to. Yeah. That I don't want it to be. I don't want to build a huge empire. You know. Yeah. What <laughs> yeah. a great place to be, yeah. and you yeah. don't
1: need to as well, right? That's great. So mm. it's great that you've got that awesome support from Halster. Absolutely. Fantastic. Yeah. And obviously mm. you're supporting him as well and letting him Work his ass off at times. (laughs) Um, And then you've got these three things going on your portraits, your headshots, but it's kind of the same. And then your fine art, creative work. All right? Mm. So. This has, for me, been the the biggest change in your work, and and you've probably been dabbling or exploring this over the years, but recently I've just seen all of this creative work come out of you that is astonishing me. And this is what interests me about you, is I was walking around the New Zealand Art Show, uh, it's artists bringing in work and trying to sell it for sort of hundreds or low thousands, not $35,000.
0: Yeah, Yeah, they have a max on that. Yeah, they (laughs) do, right? Five grand, Maximum. No Mm.
1: piece of artwork can be more than five grand. And what a great opportunity for creatives to try to sell their work. And here you were with the series of botanicals, the series of images of plants. And I'd never seen this before. You told me about it, but I had no idea, and I was blown away by it. And I, sat, I quickly chatted to you at the art show, and you were in such a great mood because <laughs> you'd sold some pieces, you'd had a good weekend, and it was only halfway through. So you found the headspace. You were saying before you found the headspace to create some more of this work. Where do you go from there? How do you end up creating this work and then exhibiting it and selling it at this art show? And where's this work going next?
0: I guess up until now, my a lot of my creative work has been driven by the Iris awards that you mentioned before, um, and then I put in a few photos to the art show last year, um, so you were allowed to put in ten as it, without, without having to be there and actually have a wall. you know you could put in up to ten images and I put in um, a few of my shots that i 'd taken in brisbane, which i 'd quite like to talk about later That's actually, right. but yeah. yeah, and just a little bit of my stuff that i 've been playing around with from the art show and uh, from the um, Iris Awards. And managed to sell nine of them, which wow. was a real surprise. Nine um, out of ten sold. Nine out of ten actually it was quite right. embarrassing because um, a friend had gone down there and she said, "I think you've sold out. I can't find anything of yours." And I did this Facebook post saying, "Oh, I'm a sellout," and then we found one of my <laughs> I'd just been moved. <laughs> so, but yeah, nine out of ten, and I yeah. thought, oh, okay, so that, that kind of planted a bit of a seed. I see. Yeah, and then how I, did you feel?
1: getting those ready and entering them in the, in the art show, I mean, were you pretty nervous about the whole thing? I wasn't
0: just... that year, no, okay. because I had kind of done a bit of that work and it wasn't a huge outlay, you know, 10. Um, they, Some of them were quite big. They were like a metre by a metre. But this year I really was because I, I thought, gosh, okay, that went better than I thought. I could maybe really have a crack at this. So this year I booked the full four-panel wall. It was huge. Which, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so... That's like eleven hundred dollars just for the wall. Um, just to have the space. before just you've Just to got have a the space, and there. then you pay like sixty dollars for a plinth and hundred dollars for your assistant, and if you need one, um, my, my kids helped me out. <laughs> you've
1: printed and any, mounted any mounted I Haven't yet, done any have no, no. And oh. then
0: they're going to take twenty five percent as well if yep. you do sell. And yeah, then you've got the printing, framing, all of that.
1: So how are you deciding? Where are you at now in terms of what's going to go on this wall? Right? you had those. Well, okay, last so year. then, I,
0: so yes, then I thought I'd, I'd like to do something a bit different, and. Um, I ended up thinking of flowers because it sounds so cliché, but, you know, they're pretty easy to live with on somebody's wall. You know, I love my portraits, but you don't really want a portrait generally of another person, a stranger on your wall of your house. So so I thought um, there's something obviously very accessible about flowers that I can shoot them anywhere um, readily available (laughs) material and I don't you know I've I appreciate landscape photography and stuff I really do but I've never been a landscape photographer that's another thing that I think people can live with well on their walls and abstract um photos too where um I think people can bring their own interpretation to it you know for me I've never been really into real literal detail photos so so that kind of thing I personally think I could live with on my wall so anyway I went down to a florist and um, I mean, obviously, you can pick a bit out of the garden, but I thought we also <laughs> I'll see what they've got. And I was just completely overwhelmed, actually. There was just too much choice. And a lot of it I was looking at, and I and I couldn't see the potential to do anything a bit different with it, you know, that it was going to look a bit of like, cliched, clichéd um, flower photos, And then they had these dried thistles called Eryngium giganteum, I found out later. And they didn't have many of them, but I took some product shots for uh, this flower's manuela. Um, yeah, yep. I'm familiar with her, yeah. And... Um, took some product shots for her so she let me have a bit of this stuff and take it home and that really was the beginning you know I just completely fell in love with this plant and had so much fun photographing it and knew that I wanted to do something really simple with it but it's a really unusual plant and yeah once I started and this magic just started happening I got really obsessed and then it sort of grew and you know finding other other bits of plant even I'd go I go for walks in the mornings before breakfast and I come back each morning just laden with foliage, and you know, thinking, "Oh, this could work. This could work." And yeah, got got super obsessed with it. Ended up with hundreds of photos, and and that was not really something I'd done to any great extent before. You know, having a really big body of work, but then I just had to spend a long time narrowing it down and putting them up there. But my, I guess, my driving um, force in deciding what to put up on in the art show was what do what could I live with on on my walls? Sure. Um, I mean, it's your best guiding light, isn't it really? so: um... well, Although
1: I'm saying that, sometimes we're really, really bad at curating our own work. So, did you have any outside help with that, or did you just make all the decisions yourself? No, no,
0: I did. I did. There were a few um, photographers that I was running stuff past. Nick Servian was a big one. Yep. Um, uh, Jackie Rankin and Mike Langford happened to be passing through Wellington. So, we had a coffee morning for the NZIPP, and I took a bit of stuff down there. And, Great. And they immediately started pushing it together, and it put, you know, the prints together, and, and making, you know, little series. And, and Did that help? That was really great, yeah. Because then, uh, then uh, they encouraged me to make a book, and then uh, returned to, yeah, so yeah, right, yeah, the book. yeah. so no, about the book so, <laughs> <then>. <laughs> so definitely, um, definitely getting getting feedback, and I just also found that the longer I lived with them, I I was developing quite strong favourites, I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: And so you've you've effectively picked your favourites. You've picked the images that uh, you've you've loved creating. All of these hundreds of photos, but you've picked your favourites for the show. Mm. You printed them. You're at the show. And when I had run into you on, I can't remember if it was the Friday or the Saturday, you're in such a great mood because you've already sold some. How did the
0: show go for you overall? It was fantastic. It really was. If you had come along on the Thursday afternoon, <laughs> you'd have been scraping me off the floor. I just, it just couldn't have been um, more of a polar opposite. Oh, no. Um, oh, I was hanging, Alistair came down and we were hanging them. And I don't know, my mood just, I was just thinking, what have I done, honestly? You know? <laughs> I mean, I I loved them. I do. and But. The outlay, as you said before, was massive. You know, by the time I take into account those art show costs, I spent about eight grand. And, you know, that... That's a huge vote of confidence in yourself. And obviously I wouldn't have done it if I didn't think I could sell stuff. But there's just that little voice in the back of your head that goes, what if this, you know, I'm just could end up with a studio full of these massive frames. You know, my friends are going to be getting (laughs) really (laughs) big birthday presents. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But this is the the journey we go on, right? Oh, such a coaster. Yeah, the coaster. That's a good way to describe it. And then they had the gala evening um, for the art show, which is great because you have – People who are friends of the art show, and Alistair and I have actually been friends of the art show for about six years now. We always go to that, and we we split up and we we race around the room, you know, because it, you, it, we're really motivated buyers and we we really want to find the good stuff, and you know, it's going to go fast. So right. on that gala evening, you've got people like that, you've got corporates who may be looking for work for their offices, and so. Um, and you've got people having a few drinks and going, oh, what the heck. A yeah. <laughs> <laughs> couple of ones down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so that went really well. And then, the, you know, th- again, with the art show days, you know, you've got four days and you've got the motivated people at the beginning. And it, and it does tail off. It got quieter towards the end. But I ended up selling 36 of these what? things. Yeah, 36? Yeah. So. <laughs> 36 yeah. prints, photos. It was, wow. yeah. How many did you have on the wall total? Oh, gosh, that must so have been I, a good portion. It often. was a good whack, yeah. Um, yeah. I think I had... Um, Oh, probably forty-five or fifty. Oh, that's so, astonishing. Yes, yeah, so, and I had okay. you know I had some up in storage, obviously, and I'd bring them down. Yep. Um, because
1: people effectively take them off the wall or can't take them. Yeah, off they the wall they take yes, them home, right? Generally, so you've got they a blank do. Space, you need to fill it up.
0: Exactly. There was there were a couple of people who let me um keep it up. I said, look, I'll deliver it for you later if I can just sort of sell some more of those. And a couple of people who did that, but most of the stuff is there is goes. going down off the wall. Thirty-six away. images mm. you sold. Mm.
1: How are you feeling by the end of Sunday or Monday?
0: Oh, oh! By the end of the first day, I was like, right, well, I'm. I'm happy you know anything more from here is is a bonus Uh, I just really I wanted to cover my costs and and part of it is getting your name out there you know I didn't actually need to make a big profit out of it but um, I'm more than you know obviously covered my costs so that was great but probably more importantly I found that doors were just opening you know I had people from the Nelson Art Expo came by and they Asked me to exhibit there, so I'm doing that later this month. Um, Art Born over in Eastbourne, um, I'm going to exhibit there. Um, they, it's a fundraiser, kind of similar thing in November, and um, the Life Education Trust having a gala evening at the um, Fine Portrait Academy of Fine Arts yep. in November, and they've asked me to be part stuff. of that. And you know, um, so yeah, lots of conversations and just meeting other great artists. Yeah, but you of know, course. it just. It really felt like doors were opening, and it just made me think, gosh, actually, maybe I could really make a go of this, you know, make some money out of having fun with my camera. (laughs) You know, I mean, that would just be living the dream. Just really quickly, mm, these mm.
1: exhibitions that you might be doing over the next few months, do you need to create new work for those as well, or can you use what you've got?
0: Um, leftover. pretty much use what I've got a little bit, you know, yep. like the, that was a big thing too, because then I thought, well, okay, I've still got a bit of leftover work here from the art show. I'll just take it down to Nelson, you know, yep. not a problem. Yep. Um, And um, the owner of the wool store down in Thorndon Quay, um, I had had my first ex- exhibition there in December 2016. Uh, some of that stuff that I put in the art show last year, quite totally, totally different work from this botanical sure. stuff. And um, they said to me that they had a bit of a, a gap to fill and could I you yeah, know, fill it, so <laughs> quickly course. whip together an exhibition from art show Leftovers, and that's up at the moment, um, and then we'll go straight down to Nelson, yeah. so yeah. So that's your yeah.
1: work on display, people are seeing it, you're mm-hmm. making connections, and you might even sell something off the wall there, you may or may not, but it's yeah, a bonus Yeah, you know, I've so, sold a few off yeah. the wall, but
0: Great. not. It's sales for that haven't been huge, yeah, but you sure. know, that's more people coming to the to the cafe next door then it's not that motivated by thing sure. so yeah, yeah it's it's that. not been bad but it, um not great either so, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah but
1: yeah. essentially you you the outlay was had already you'd already paid the outlay right you'd exactly, done most of the hard exactly.
0: Work, so. and they were just going to be sitting in my studio waiting yeah. for nelson anyway so yeah, no, it's, how yeah. great yeah
1: hey so one of the things we've mentioned a number of times in this conversation is the NZIPP, new zealand institute of professional photography we're both a member of that um we've both been active participants for active members for quite a few years now you have achieved some stunning results through the annual iris awards silvers and golds galore category finalists and you've also won some categories over the years you mentioned before about the images that you i think you created over in brisbane and then you entered into had it your first art show this there, is there a story here is there something sort of is there like a massive big turning point in some of your creativity here
0: no, I think that those those particular images were um, they were a bit of an eye opener for me about how being part of a community like that can just um, spark your creative brain. You know, I I just love the Iris Awards every year and seeing all that incredible work. And those particular some of those particular images came when I was asked to help judge the um, some state awards you know in Brisbane um, for the AIPA Australian Institute and. We had three days of wonderful judging, met all the other awesome judges, and, and I came out from that absolutely buzzing. And then I had an afternoon left before I flew back to New Zealand, and I was going to go shopping. I've had all the stupid ideas. I was going to go shopping. And fortunately, it was a public holiday, so I couldn't. All the shops <laughs> <shut>. <laughs> yeah. So then I suddenly thought, Hang on a minute. I'm in a new city. I have an afternoon to myself. I've got my camera. You know, I've got nobody. Nobody. You know, family. I'm dragging them out to come you know, in the city. And Catherine's taking photos again. <laughs> um, and so I went out, and I was just my. I was just on fire. You know, like seeing things differently. And I ended up with, um, I think three or four images just taken in that single day that then won Iris Awards. And the, the next, yeah, you know, just just uh, seeing things differently. And um, yeah,
1: what a refreshing place to be in. Mm-hmm. And, and so then you entered a number of images into the awards this year, and the one that caught my attention most was the book, the book category, mm-hmm. and you entered a book, and this book was essentially based on the work that you'd created in your studio for this art show, am I correct?
0: Yeah, that's right. So it's, um, I mean, as I said, I photographed a lot of different plants, but it was this one particular thistle that really, um, yeah, just I just fell in love with it, and And I wanted to do, I called the book homage, you know, it's it's a real ode to this plant. And it was a bit of a challenge to say, can I make an entire photographic book of just this one single plant? One plant? And, it, and I didn't have, as I said, that many stems of it from the florist. You didn't want to give <laughs> up that many. You so. You're still working <laughs> no, with the no, same you, ones? No, no, yeah, yeah. And, but a few people at the art show actually have told me where I can find it, so that's great. Okay. Um, so several of those um, spreads in the book are the same bit, you know, photographed differently or a detail cropped differently, that kind of thing. And so, yeah, I my book, it's, I think, gosh, how many... How many spreads? Maybe 15 spreads of just photographs of this dried thistle. Single
1: thistle. Uh, yeah. Uh, remind us of the name of the thistle. Uh, it? So it's
0: called Eryngium giganteum. Um, it gets known as Miss Wilmot's ghost. And Miss Wilmot was a 19th century gardener. Um, and she had she it was also very wealthy. And she had these gorgeous big gardens in England and Scotland that she designed. And um, she fell in love with the plant. And she would go and visit other gardeners with her pockets full of the seeds of this thing and she would just quietly sow it along the <laughs> borders before they could stop her <laughs> and yeah she was great and she went a bit nuts i think in her old age she started carrying a revolver and apparently she um booby trapped her daffodil fields um oh, to what? deter bulb thieves and right. yes yeah, so she was she was pretty cool yep. um what so yeah yeah um so my book there was a really good um experience to to have to think about the layouts and to have to well, I think any book needs a sense of narrative it didn't have any words which um as we were discussing earlier maybe held it back a little bit but you still need a sense of story and how do you do that with just photographs of plants and so I asked I printed out my spreads and I asked a lot of um, other people to rearrange the pages and I had a couple of friends who came down from Auckland and um I asked them, and they were standing there for ages looking at these bits of paper on the floor with their glasses of wine in their hands. And I was just about to say to them, look, you really don't have to do this, you know. <laughs> and then suddenly they started pushing them around. And then they got into this big debate, and they were seeing, like, the group the, – the, um, there were a couple of shots where there are multiple heads. And they, they were saying, so this is like the party, and this little um, plant here, you know – is feeling really awkward and all these other ones they've got their back to it and then they're turning to face and there's a bit of a conversation going and they just went crazy on it and I loved it and so after a couple of glasses of wine yeah yeah exactly but they kind of were onto something and I ended up only slightly modifying the order that they you know I had a lot of different options but um when some people would lay it out you would go across and you just go okay no that's jarring that's not working and it would be really obvious but um, yeah, it was it was a really good experience to to sequence a book because I think that is quite important. Um, something, yeah, yeah. yeah, and not something I'd had any experience of. So absolutely, and now I've got this wonderful, you know, portfolio of my work, um, which I'm just thrilled to have. And yeah, I'm planning to take that a bit further, maybe reprint with a page of text that explains. Um, introduces the plant, explains that I fell in love with it, just a single page, and then reprint and maybe enter it in a few more awards. Yeah. So. Hey, let's mm.
1: get to some of the outcomes um, resulting from that book and the awards next. But I just want to – I don't know where I'm going with this, but I just want to pick your brains about your view on the awards. Uh, I'm with you because I've got a huge amount of value out of the NZIPP Awards over the years. Um, but there's a lot of people out there who who don't feel the same way. What's your big driver? Why do you – what makes you enter these awards? That's
0: a really good question, and I totally get it um, when people are not keen to enter. And um, but for me, it just keeps um, pushing me to to come up with better stuff each year. But it, I mean, for to actually do the work in the first place is a really big thing. Especially when I was doing weddings, I mean, I have been entering the awards for years, but I would have to really um, make the time to do that personal work and. And every year, you know, I just realized I'm somebody who needs a deadline, and the Iris Awards provided that. And then every year, I would just get on this big creative buzz, and I'd absolutely love it. And I think, I really need to do this more often. This is so much fun. And then I just wouldn't, um, because I get bogged down in in my lists of all the (laughs) client stuff I've got to do. Um, So for me, it was just getting me off my ass and making me do it in the first place. and now that I have more time and that's starting to happen more naturally I think it's just um it makes me every year I'm trying to think what can I do that's different it's um it's a learning curve it's a problem solving thing you know I'll get some idea in my head and come up with all these challenges and how the heck can can I achieve that so a lot of those shots I mean some of them some of them aren't they're just really quite simple uh quick you know that just happens but then other ones um are just one that springs to mind when I was in Amsterdam I saw Vermeer's Milkmaid painting and stood in front of it for ages just thinking wow <laughs> you know what I was just quite blown away and I I was thinking to myself, what is it that is making this so magic? You know, it's not the subject matter for me. Is it the light? Is it the composition? Is it the, the way the colours work together? You know, there's, there's just magic happening here. And I'm trying to put my finger on, you know, it's the way with a lot of masterpieces. Like, what What is this extra little thing, extra big thing that they've got? Um, and then I started thinking, so I wonder if, if you just broke it down into the um, composition and the colours and the shapes... Would it still work, you know, if you if you didn't have that detail of the, the face and everything? Um, and would it also be recognisable? I don't know, some little weird thing in my brain made me think of... um, We had a a house fire in 2011 in our old house. And when they were um, cleaning my studio, there was lots of smoke damage and stuff. Um, They put this plastic sheeting over my desk and the whole area. And it was sort of semi-transparent. And I took a couple of photographs of things through it because I quite like the effect. And then my brain went, (laughs) oh, I wonder if I used that to block out all this detail and kind of recreate Vermeer's milkmaid, which yeah. sounds kind were of you,
1: mental. Were you, were you standing in front of the painting thinking all of this? Or no, I know it kind of happened later,
0: later as as yep. I was thinking about it. you know, I bought, yep. I bought my little postcard, took it home and, you know, <laughs> thinking about about the picture quite a lot, like it really affected me. Wow. And, and so, yeah, then I thought, I could why don't I just answer this question for myself? Most of my entries and stuff, I have to admit, are not nearly this complicated, but uh what I did was uh strung i got my backdrop stand in my studio um put this i, I found a roll of this uh, stuff that they'd used contacted the company actually oh, <laughs> got what? a roll of it and sort of stretched it out stuff, yeah. yeah across uh to make a little screen and then I set about um building a milkmaid. <laughs> Behind it, and I I had my postcard for the picture, and I think okay, so what what, I need this sort of blue blob here, and I need this blob. You're very much trying to um, to break it down just into into blobs, yeah, I guess, and um. And I went around the house and thought oh, that you know I found all sorts of bits of kids' toys and whatever, and, oh, I, and I've got this, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have a mannequin called Murray in my studio, and I use him to test my lights before you know right. different things. So, so he was kind of the um, the basis of it, and he had a tea towel on his head for the you know <laughs> <for> the, <laughs> and there was I used a rice cooker spoon um, to create the. The blob of milk and the jug pouring and pouring out of the jug. I sort of propped that up so I gaffer taping everything yeah. together. Did you take a photograph yeah. of what was behind? Oh yeah, I did. It's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Great. Yeah, and then I took my shot and I thought. Okay, I've answered my question. No, it doesn't work. You know, it's just I just ended up with this amorphous. Uh, it was ridiculous. It just looked really terrible. And then I realised, okay, I need I actually need everything so much closer to the plastic in order to to get any detail and stuff. So I ended up sticking a tea towel on my head and going in behind <laughs> <laughs> and being the hands and the arms and everything. And um, and I realised I needed to do it and different components and then put them all together so it was a mission One of process well it yeah. was a process and and it ended up probably the most photoshop i've ever done for for a simple idea but just the practicalities of it i had to do it in layers um and yeah but I, it ended up i can't remember what it got silver distinction i think but, and but it's not something i would actually hang on my wall but it was um it was that problem solving yeah. and uh yeah really that, really interesting that but,
1: process you went through there i mean that's the joy right what you just described mm. and the way you described mm. it, that's the fun you're having with this mm. photography.
0: Well, I think that that one is actually kind of out there for me because it was very involved in photoshop um, well, that Yeah. Um But generally, it's the opposite, actually, in my work. Um, a lot of it is really simple. And the joy for me is often in taking really everyday stuff and um, making it beautiful, making something awesome out of it. And I have to say, actually, just thinking about it, I, I reckon... I loved a lot of that in weddings as well, you know, that sometimes you're working in these really suboptimal conditions and your bride and groom want gorgeous photos and you've got to make that happen. Um, I remember, you know, especially when I started out, um, a lot of the weddings were a bit cheaper, you know, and they're getting ready in a tiny hotel, motel motel units and and you're trying to find pockets of beauty and you know you're stepping over the jeans with the knickers still in them and you're trying you know <laughs> <laughs> that actually happened once and uh, you know i would just get my Stuff macro lens well. out and and do a little still life arrangement with maybe the rings or whatever and some flowers and and you know you can blur a lot out with a macro lens it's great you know and so you're finding pockets of beauty for your clients um and i found that was a real photographic challenge but uh, also um some of my other iris award winning shots have been um I did one, it was 2016, which I entered in the art show as well, sold in the art show. And I had stepped out of the shower one morning and we have like a convex shaving mirror. And I was just moving my head around. I I, I tend to, I line things up all the time. I'm constantly... um, Moving my head during conversations to, to you know, because I'm really aware of lines. and It's framing, kind of a weird don't thing. Framing, you yeah, framing, something. but also lining yep. foreground and background objects up and yeah. weird stuff like that. So you're standing in front of the mirror. So I'm mirror, standing like there, drawing with... myself, kind of wobbling my head around, yeah. <laughs> idiot, and going, "Oh, that looks cool." And it was basically the the mirror was reflecting um, the orange tiles in our bathroom and we have turquoise towels and just making cool shapes. And again, you know, just this little question that goes in your head: you know, could I um, recreate that with with a camera? So dried myself (laughs) got changed went and grabbed my camera and and it was really hard and I think there's something about the optics of your your two eyes you know it looked completely different um through the lens and it took me a while to find the right lens and the right distance and the you know and and I had to throw the focus out to recreate what my eyes could see just instantly um but I did that and so then and then I had all these little circles and I ended up cropping them in printing them out and um creating a series of nine images which I then put on metallic paper just because they kind of looked like Oh, they looked a bit like you were looking down into coffee cups or something um, the judges had no idea what to make but they of didn't course. yeah I was, I, somebody said it looked like the Channel 9 logo which I thought was quite cool <laughs> now I know what you're talking about because I know the image and right. until today I didn't actually know the story behind yeah, it I yeah. had no idea
1: you, <laughs> what you were photographing there mm, I it. Mm.
0: Yeah. And, and again you know, this going back to what I was saying before about abstract shots so people can bring what they want they can see the Channel 9 logo if they like or <laughs> yeah. they can, uh, I did a big print of it meter by meter and that was in the art show and the, um, a guy from the resin family bought it and i thought well that's kind of cool because you could imagine you were looking down into paint pots or something as well yeah if you look really closely you can actually make out the grout and the tiles yeah um but you know that's just um a very very everyday thing and and seeing it differently like i find that really deeply satisfying probably more so than anything that actually takes photoshop and um yeah.
1: As you talk about everyday things, I'm reminded of uh, an image of yours that did really well at the awards of a chicken. It's a chicken from your garden, which most <laughs> yes. of us,
0: Loretta, yes. Loretta,
1: Loretta, <laughs> most of us don't give a lot of thought to poultry, and to actually create an image of Loretta, your chicken that does very well, gold distinction, if, I, if yeah, I'm correct yeah. at the awards. Um, is similar
0: (laughs) (laughs) it is similar isn't it I guess yeah she's a beautiful bird though you know yeah so no I I brought her into our lounge and I put her on a pedestal (laughs) basically and I had my lights all set up and I didn't really know what I was going to get I kind of had this idea of her as a bit of a lady of the manor um, or something like this a beautiful lighting and and, yeah nice portrait and we took a few and she was very good and we, we got those shots And then she got quite comfortable, actually, wasn't she? She was quite getting into it. And she started preening herself. And, and yeah, there's just one shot where her foot was kind of up and the food that I'd put on the pedestal to keep her there is flying through the air and there's just something about her eye like she she looks absolutely psychotic <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, obviously I couldn't uh, people are saying, how did you get her to stand like that and <laughs> was know like, actually that was just obviously a you know split second moment but it stood out as you know just the quirkiness value of it and yeah I love that that you just don't know what you're going to get sometimes and but yeah this is absolute manic glint in her eye and so yeah went with that one and I I didn't expect it to go though that well I had one of my mentors had said oh no I wouldn't bother entering that one so so (laughs) I guess that yeah (laughs) never listening to him again (laughs) um but yeah it did drop my expectations a bit so that was a real shock that was quite exciting you've
1: said this before and we've seen this in your work for years but the, the 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 connection you get from your subjects and just the realness, the rawness, the, the honesty that comes through is evident in all your work from children to, obviously, your headshots to poultry to your chickens. Mm. You get something out of people that not a lot of photographers can get.
0: Oh, thank you. That's a really kind comment. Um, I think, yeah, there's something in that. Like, I've, again, it's going back to that inner voice that tells you, you know, like, you know, sometimes you look at a portrait or any photograph and you just go... Oh, you know, there's something there. Like, and so when I look at my own work, if something stops me in my tracks or an expression, you know, for the for the um, corporate headshots and that, I'm just looking for that sense of genuine engagement. And again, that not the photo smile. Um, and yeah, anybody can really pick that. So that's what the ones I'm going for. But then, in other portraits or maybe when, uh, ones for Iris Awards, just anything that provokes an emotional response in me. I have learned to really listen to that because it will resonate with other people Others as well. Right. Yeah, And I feel that that's something that um, has been a strength of mine. You know, as we talked about, I didn't um, do any formal training. And so the technicals often were not there for me in my photography. But I always did have a really strong opinion of what was working for me and what wasn't. And I learned pretty quickly in the piece that when I followed that, other people came with me and i'm not obviously not everybody loves my work and that's absolutely fine but enough people would say there's something there you know <laughs> there's something there and um i don't know if you can actually teach that you know you can learn the technical stuff but i've always yep. felt so fortunate to have had that that inner voice guiding you know, helping me find my path and um you know i think i think probably with a lot of people you could um bring that out of them with teaching um just depends on, you know, how your brain is wired. Um, a lot of people probably have that. But, yeah, really, really fortunate. And I just, um, you know, and the same, it goes beyond portraits, really, as well. Other shots, too, If I, when I look at them and there's just something that makes you think, I'm onto something here. Yeah. <laughs> I just, uh, yeah, I listen to that, and it's working for me. Keep doing it, because mm. it is working really well for you. Yeah. Um,
1: what What are you getting out of these awards, then? What are they doing for you and... Ah, uh, we know what I, we know. What you're being forced to do to get ready for these awards, but what are they doing for you, and what are they doing for, let's say, business as well? I know what you get out of it from a creative point of view. So, what you put into it is a is what you get out of it. If that makes any sense, but yes, is there no, else there that is comes out of it no as a result. No, of it?
0: definitely, because I, I feel that um, I it boosts my confidence. I, I can look at this um, body of work that I've created. Sometimes I would uh, doubt myself and think, "Gosh, you know, maybe." I can't do that again. I think um with each with each success that I have I have had a tendency in the past to think okay that was great um do I actually have anything left in me could I could I repeat that you know and it wasn't necessarily that I thought it was a fluke um I can see that I did good work and that's great but there was just this question in my mind of um whether there was anything more you know it's a bit like you you've grown this big tree and then you've felled it and now what you know you, a bit of time you you grow another one and it might be quite a different tree and <laughs> that's pretty cool but um I've learned that I do have that in me and even though I can't see that path immediately or where I'm going to go next I do seem to be able to repeat um Thing. And it, quite different, a really diverse range of work, Absolutely. which I just wouldn't have shot otherwise. Um, but it's just been really great for my confidence, um, and you know things like the art show and this, uh, the validation from the the public response to that. So, um, yeah, I guess I'm not sure in terms of my business that my awards have particularly individually led to in- increased business. But there's something, you know, you've got my little digital signature on my emails, you know, there's a regular achievements. So I think those, even if people haven't seen the awards, um, there's a level of confidence that they give to people that you know what you're doing yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and to know, me that i <laughs> yeah a little mm. ego
1: boost for you I, I think you're underplaying it a little bit because i think maybe there are some opportunities that have come out of these awards. um and just to let's bring your botanical work and your award work back together again here well, no, talk about true. That book. Mm. Mm-hmm. because there's that book that you produced homage
0: mm-hmm.
1: um you were telling me before you've had a couple of really amazing opportunities that have sprung out of that book
0: yeah, you're, you're right. What used to be called the um, Museum Hotel here in Wellington, the Q, it's now QT Hotel, um, put out a call recently for submissions. They're building a whole a set of new rooms, and they said, we need some artists, and you each have a room and An do, do your own hotel. thing yeah I mean some of them are, they're fairly small but you know to actually print your work or um, yeah so I, I've got my room and uh, well yeah, I was yeah, successful Congrats. in that so really excited and I had a meeting with uh, Mark Amory the other week and he said we don't want you to just think about it just as a, a single wall you know behind the bed because um, they chose one of my thistle shots from, from the yeah, a modified version from the book um, but he said well actually just look around the room if there are other surfaces you want to you know, we we're really open to brainstorming creative ideas here and I thought, this is just brilliant, you <laughs> know. So so there's another entrance room. Um some of the, some artists with their rooms have a balcony and they've gone out onto the balcony. D side's done the same little, little um drawings all over the wall and um, even like the lampshades and stuff. Um and so I think where I'm leaning at the moment is uh making wallpaper out of my thistles and have them behind the bed and also on the entrance wall. But, you know, I mentioned the book to Mark and he said, oh, bring it and show me. So possibly we'll have that there for sale as well, Absolutely. I don't know. But yeah. it's really such an exciting opportunity to, and I'm really excited to see my work really big <laughs> for one oh, thing. It's really, really, really cool. Everyone's just doing such different things and I I'm, I'm just can't wait to see it. I'm really excited you know, to be a part of it. So,
1: yeah. yeah, Are you one of the only photographers who's a part of
0: it? Um, there is another guy who's photographed scrunched up vinyl, Stuart at Forsyth. I think he works at Partica. And I had a wee chat with him the other day because, you know, uh, I hadn't known how to to actually mount my work up on the wall. You know, obviously it could get scuffed, it could get damaged, it's got to work. Uh, So wallpaper is sort of looking like an option. But because of his experience at the gallery, he has some context and some ideas about what would work and be cost effective. So um, I think he might be the only other other one Some people are painting or drawing on the walls. One woman is doing a balloon installation, and it's all about the breath. Apparently, and every time, every new guest will get a new bouquet of balloons as, as her art piece. Yeah, you know, all... people are really thinking outside the box, and so yeah, These really aren't just can't wait to on see it. The wall. I No, those. no, all Blame sorts of stuff. Yeah, yeah really cool. That. Yeah, and
1: then and then the book itself, um, you produced it specifically for the awards, really in terms of production. But mm. is there any further thought that you might? Um, produce it again you might sell it you might do something I, else
0: with the book i have been encouraged to do that so yes i'm kind of looking into that at the moment and um uh, memento pro uh coming back to me with some quotes i'm thinking you know maybe 25 or 50 to start with again it's the same thing as the art show you know this idea that i could end up with my studio full of unsold books or un- <laughs> unsold frames but you know um could well, see how that goes and um I don't know. Sometimes you just got to go for it, don't you? You, you? you never know if, unless you try. And and I did. I've had some wonderful emails from people who saw the um, online run through of the book, or oh, saw it in person as well, and encouraged me to do that. And so yeah, there's been that same response, and I think I probably do need to just do something to Absolutely. capitalize on that yeah, yeah. hey if mm. i can
1: if i can publicly and openly give oh, them some you. Encouragement <laughs> here, at yeah. the very least a run as you say of, of i don't know 25 50 whatever's a small number of books i have no doubt that you would get through the majority of those i don't think they would be propping up your monitor or sitting in the corner of your <laughs> desk <laughs> like birthday you presents from my friends yeah. Yeah, of course. worst case yeah you're right you've got yeah. some presents some christmas presents i'd love to think you could shift a few of those
0: yeah, and yeah, no, I think I probably can, so I'll give it a crack.
1: <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Hey, that's that's an amazing, amazing story. So the Iris Awards have just been wrapped up for the year. You did pretty well at those. You are actually finalist in three different categories, which is astonishing work. And then just literally two days ago, you were named Wellington Regional Photographer of the Year based on your results at the awards. So congratulations on Thank that. Thank you very
0: much. Yeah, I'm just absolutely stoked.
1: <laughs> I, I, to me, this sounds like it's been a massive year for you. I'm sure every year feels like that, though. What, where are you going next? What's in your head? What are you
0: creating now? Oh, good question. Yeah, I've got so many different ideas. Um, I I want to go further with the botanical thing. Um, I have this um I use this app called Workflowy. Um, Work should flow-y. little? plug for them. workflowy.com dot yep. com is that yeah. Um I'm a real list maker and I used to use this one that just was called to do and, and I'd I would i would end up writing things on there just in order to cross just them to off, cross them off. I right, the I'm on one own. of those people, yeah. 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 Um but this workflowy one, um, you can uh have your to do thing and you can have all sorts of stacked lists within lists. So I have um a whole Section for of, of inspiration for photographers to look up ideas. I want to try anything when I'm out walking, and I just go, "Oh, that could work." I chuck it all in there, and so and I also sort of collate um, pictures on my. I uh, screenshot stuff all the time on my desktop, and just um, looking through magazines and to uh, other people's work. Often, just there's this little seed you kind of go, "Oh, I could do that." Um, so, uh, the botanical stuff is one thing. Um, I love photographing elderly people particularly in their homes and sort of respecting them and I mean they've obviously just got gorgeous faces <laughs> anyway, but um I wondered about doing a series. Um, somebody suggested Ninety Not Out is a title, which I quite quite liked so oh, yeah. uh, I feel a bit uh nervous saying all these things no, this is gonna be really good. I'm gonna have to make some stuff happen. But um huh. yeah that was one of one of the things. Um I I want to do a few more of the, you know, the fine art portraits of kids. I've got some ideas of uh loosely based on my uh, previous art show work just sort of shaking the camera in spot. Like uh, some of the ones, I went down to Wellington Railway Station and I did I think it was, I don't remember how many two second exposure or something and I was jiggling the camera up and down um, again, it's a familiar sort of Place and you can get you can abstract it, but then people can still sort of see and still recognize enough. enough. And so, um, I'd love to do some more of those around Wellington. I've got some more ideas, yeah. I'd love to do some documentary photography. I feel like I really, really appreciate um, you know that when people achieve those beautiful layered shots and layered story. And I love the unrepeatability of those, you know, that nobody can ever get that shot again and I would really um love to get better at doing that. So yeah, I've got a I've bought my little Fuji cameras now, my mirrorless ones that actually fit in my handbag, so there's Time no everywhere. excuse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, You've got it here today, I see. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um is the your workflow y list is it quite long and out of control? Is there totally. so much stuff on totally. there?
0: Totally, yeah. yeah. Um my entire life is in there now and um um no, it's it's really good because you know if you if you're sort of flagging a little bit and you think what what next? You know, as I said before, sometimes I I think okay, can I repeat that success? And and then I just need to look through my book or look through my thing. And go, oh yeah, that's right. I was on this box. Yeah, just, just that's on the box. But I also think I've got a friend um, who's living in Australia and she's an artist, and she said to me years ago that it's always really good to have several projects on the go at once. Because things, you you lose your momentum on things.
1: Does that sit well with you, or you're a one at a one project at a time kind of person?
0: Um, well, I think with photography, I can sort of I'm, I'm gathering together groups of work. So while my focus is largely on one thing, I have a few other types of shots, in, so. Um, I can switch across, you yeah, no, it, it does sit well with me, and I, I think you know, part of what she's saying is that then it's no big deal when something isn't going as you want to, because you just switch you your energies across one. and then let it heal and come back, you right. know, yeah. yeah so like that, that works really well.
1: Fantastic. Mm. Is there anything else that we haven't covered, anything else you want to slip in here, any other little bits of advice or thoughts that are going through your head? Anything on your um, list there?
0: <laughs> my tiny wee life, I haven't even looked at this, It's is obviously a good interview, I wrote down some ideas, but... um. You've taken it off in all sorts of good ways and um oh just there was a comment uh recently, um, this guy I don't know quite how to pronounce his name, Teju Teju Cole. And he was in Wellington um as part of a festival. He's a novelist and um a photographer and he writes um on photography. He's written novels, but he's he writes on photography for the New York Times magazine. And um he gave a brilliant talk. He's really articulate and is wonderful. But one of the phrases, and he just it was just such a passing thing that he said, and it just really struck a chord with me, is that he said that he goes through uh, life photographically collecting the things that belong to him. And I just thought, that is so good. That is what I'm doing. That's how I feel in the portraits and the the expression the engagement that we we're talking about that little extra something in a photo um in life you know when you're walking around and you or you're driving and you see a scene and you go you know did the mental click in your head maybe you stop the car and go back maybe you, you can't all of those things that you are driven to photograph for me it feels like a treasure hunt you really you know and you are you're collecting all these little treasures and yeah um I just wanted to to mention that because I, it it really, as I say, resonated with me, and I thought that is what I'm doing. That's my whole.
1: <laughs> I cannot believe philosophy. you just said that because as you were talking about this man and this talk, I was about to jump in and say, "Sounds to me like you're collecting,
0: yeah. right?" Yeah. Because everything
1: you're doing, whether it be from watching the talk and listening to what they're saying, whether it be collecting. Snippets, ideas booking, for my lists, workflow ideas. list. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you are, and you just used exactly that word. Right? Mm. That does that. that um, it's amazing that that resonates with you because that almost does sum you
0: up. Yeah, yeah. That is I'm fantastic. So grateful I went to that talk. <laughs> Great. What a cool way to end
1: this. Okay, thank you. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to finish this interview with just a couple of corny, cheesy questions that I just like to ask everyone. Um, They vary every time.
0: Oh, no, I forgot about this.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'll go easy on you. Um, I've actually completely forgotten the entire list of questions, so off the top of my head. I like asking people about books, but I know you've, you've published a couple of books now, so we're not going to go down that path. So I'm going to ask you about music. Is music a part of your life? Do you listen to a bit of music? And if you do, what's your Desert Island Disc? One disc that you take with you to listen to any time.
0: We listen to a lot of music and it's largely driven by Alistair. I'm so lazy. Um, he, music is hugely important to him he he cannot not have a soundtrack um, when he can't sleep at night he's got this beautiful ambient music that he, he puts on, um, a lot of electronic ambient, um, I I do have uh, a few of my own ones I've been really getting into the Veils recently um, love that we went to see them and I didn't know anything about them and it's just blown away and I was thinking I want to photograph this guy <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of his name, Finn Andrews I think, and You're he's so happen? charismatic uh, yeah yeah, I should get in touch <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um Add it to your list. Add it to Workflowy. Yeah, yeah. The Veils. That's I can't think of, some of the Some of the ambient stuff is beautiful, but um, I can't think of particular names off the top of my head. But no, the, the Veils. though Yeah. Is
1: there any one thing that you're most proud of so far?
0: My children. (laughs) Yeah, and you've got two kids, is that right? Yeah, that's right. So um, my daughter, Eva, is about to turn 13 and Alexander's 15. So we're going to have next, oh, on the 6th of August, we're going to have two teenagers in the house. They're great kids though, aren't they? They they really are great kids, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. they're not Mm.
1: the classic teenagers at this stage anyway.
0: And getting their times, yeah. <laughs> right. Okay, okay. <laughs> No, they were pretty awesome.
1: Are they, I think I know the answer to this, but are they sort of sharing your, because not all kids have necessarily have creative outlets, but are they sort of sharing your creative streak? Can you see them exploring the world in a similar way to you? Not at all, really. Right. And I hadn't really
0: thought about that. Um, no, Eva either used to be really into art. Um, Alexander's just into wonderful ideas. He, he's into everything. Um, he's been putting me onto some fantastic podcasts recently, actually, because he, he's you know, fifteen. He's got his headphones on the entire time, and you know, you ask him a question, he's what? You know, he's like He'd had a lobotomy or something, but um, <laughs> he's a really bright kid. But no, he's put me onto some podcasts because I thought I need to know what he's onto here. The first one I listened to was this ranty, um, English guy, and I thought, so, oh my gosh, you know, and a lot of the attitudes that Alexander had been uh, displaying lately, I thought this is where he's getting he's it from. from this guy, Didn't yeah. like that one, but um. Everything else, um, Jordan Peterson and Sam Harris. And so now I've been listening to that when I'm out yeah. walking in the mornings, and this is awesome. Really cool. Really cool. Yeah, really hey, what
1: a cool, cool thing. Your son yeah. is not. Mm.
0: Oh, he's he expanding my games. mind. He yeah. might be playing games yeah. or
1: watching YouTube, but he's also listening to podcasts, and then, yeah, expanding your mind. Yeah. I yeah. love yeah. that.
0: So, um, And no, Eva's, Eva's into a whole heap of stuff as well. And, you know, she's just a great kid and really empathetic. They, they teach me a lot, those two.
1: Oh, mm. what a cool mm. place to be in. I love that. A hey, final question then. It's a combi road trip. You're driving all the way from here to Cape Reinga, up north. Um, any character, any person, alive or dead, from any time in history, who's going to sit beside you?
0: Actually, at the moment, Jordan Peterson springs to mind. Yeah. Um, he's He's been quite a divisive character yes, online. Been, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I just think he speaks so much sense and I love how he can actually transform lives. You know, he uh, by acknowledging that life can be such a struggle and really hard and you just got to get your shit together and I love too how he sort of said you know people say oh just try and be happy and you're waving this little white flag of happiness in front of all of these problems and that's all very well but then that doesn't sustain you in the hard times and I love how useful what he um is saying is for people who are struggling and um no just yeah I can see why he winds people up but I think it's so balanced out and the man's intellect is just oh it's, it's really exciting so yeah I'd love love to have a chat with him. Yeah, Yeah, I
1: know. He'd be a great road trip companion, wouldn't he? Hey, awesome. Okay, thank you so much for your time, Catherine. I really, really appreciate it. I love seeing your work, and I'm looking forward to seeing all these the, the results of all these cool little projects you've got going on and what else comes out of you in the next few years.
0: Thank you so much for having me. This is really, yeah, when you first asked, I thought, I've got nothing to say, what can I do? Yeah, and I've really enjoyed it. And I love the way you do this whole combi van thing, so I actually just feel like I'm sitting here chatting with you rather than the internet, and it's great. So, yeah, thank you for the opportunity.
1: <laughs> thank you, Catherine, I appreciate it. Welcome back to Breaking Out the Podcast. How good was that interview with Catherine? Did you enjoy that? There's a really funny little part that I had to remove out of the interview because she asked me to. So you'll be happy to know, Catherine, that that bit was cut from the interview. I really wanted to leave it in there. It was a good little laugh at the end. We'll just leave that between us and your son, eh? I just love so many things about the way that Catherine is approaching her art. I love how Catherine talked me through her process. You can just feel her love for the creative process when you listen to her. Did you hear the way that she talked about her affection for the milkmaid um, Vermeer's painting? And how she went into so much elaborate detail about how she then tried to create this image that she had in her mind. The way that she talked about the mirror in her bathroom and how that helped her create those images. There's just, I don't want to overuse this word passion, but the way that she talks about the creative process is almost unlike anyone I've ever heard before. She's clearly so involved, so passionate about about this creative output that she's got. And those awards, they, they clearly help her with that, right? They push her to come up with new work every year. It's like that kick up the ass with that little nudge in the shoulder, right? It's a deadline, It's an impetus. It's motivation. Whatever it is, it just helps you get off your ass. So many of us need that, and and awards for all the good and bad things about them, for her, that's what they give her. I concur. I agree with that. And yet, the results that she's gotten out of them have given her amazing confidence to go on to other things. How great is that? Do you remember when Catherine was talking about trying to decide what to create and what to sell at the art show? She just asked herself this really simple question. What could I live with on my walls? As she said herself, it's the best guiding light. Sometimes I think we think too much about what other people want. We think too much about pleasing other people. We think too much about what they might want on their walls or what's going to sell. Why don't you just solve the problem for yourself? Why don't you just go and create something that you would like to see? Go and create the art that you want to see in the world. That's what Catherine has done. And look at what's come out of it. What an enviable position to be in. She listens to her own voice, right? And she knows she's onto something, and she just trusts it. But she doesn't shy away from help. How many times did she mention getting outside advice? How many times did she mention the word mentors? Or having other people help her? Pretty much with every project, every piece of work, everything she submitted into the awards, the work that she was hanging at the exhibition, the work she's going to do for the hotel room, etc., etc., all of that. She's never done it alone. She's always sought advice, assistance, help, or a mentor or a coach. And obviously that final part that almost missed the interview where she talks about listening to the gentleman and him talking about collecting things and that resonating with her. And through this whole interview, when I've been talking and listening to her, I'd thought to myself, she's collecting a lot of things her outputs are varied they're so varied you need to go and have a look at her work and understand how many different types styles genres uh, whatever you want to call it just how varied her outputs are and they're varied because her inputs are varied because she's not spending all day just looking at other wedding photographers she's not spending all day looking at the classical paintings she's not spending all day with one or very very limited inputs She's amazingly varied in the things that she looks at and lets into her life. And that encourages her outputs to be wide and varied. And that's a really, really important takeaway from this today. Open your mind to more varied inputs and watch your creativity flourish. So that's my interview with Catherine Kadnak. I really, really hope you enjoyed it. There will be links on my blog post, breakingart.net forward slash 17, where you can look at some of her work, where I link to her book, I link to the QT hotel room, I link to any bits and pieces I can just to help, you, just to help show you her work. Go on there, check it out. BreakingArt.net, and hey, as always, let me know what you think. Let me know how you enjoyed this interview. Jump on iTunes and give me a review. I'd appreciate that as well. Thanks. See you next week.